0: I'm Christian, and welcome to the Jamois Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, host, and Gemoir International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Gemouir Leadership Podcast. So glad that you can join us. We don't say this here often, but I just want to start today's episode by thanking all of you for listening. We really wouldn't be what we are as a podcast, as a as a, a show here, without our listeners and the feedback that we get and the conversations that we start. But as we say that, I just want to encourage all of you, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the show, leave a like on YouTube, or if you're listening on a podcast-catching app, please give us a five-star review Those ratings and any time you share it really helps us grow as a podcast and gives us more interaction, gives us more engagement, and certainly gives us more inspiration for future episode ideas. But we'll leave that up to you. We're glad that you're here and we want to get started today. And to start our discussion, we want to talk about some recent high-profile drama in American politics, specifically the election of the Speaker of the House of Representatives, on January 7th, after four days of voting and 15 ballots, Representative Kevin McCarthy, a California Republican, finally clinched the speakership. It was the longest election since 1859, and as an unexpected side effect, it caused a surge in the ratings of C-SPAN, which is the Cable Satellite Public Affairs Network. The That's the the channel that televises the proceedings of the United States federal government and other public affairs programming. C-SPAN sometimes has the reputation of being a bit dull, but it wasn't dull this time around. Dirk, can you tell us about what happened before we talk and what we as managers and business people of various stripes can learn from this event?
1: yeah uh Kishim, um this is a, a event in politics and so let's talk about it a little bit and then uh, after that we transition to uh, uh what we can uh, what we can learn but Sounds but good. but following the the recent uh, midterm elections the uh majority in the United States House of Representatives went from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party and so the house had to vote in a new a speaker, um, the the speaker of the house, is a powerful position in American politics because the speaker does not just preside over the house uh, proceedings, which in and of itself is is obviously uh, significant. But but he or she has a lot of influence also in other areas, and one of them being, for example, the committee process, and and these committees and their chairs are uh, very important in in politics to to do important government business but but also for uh, the profile of uh, of the people involved
0: right dirk that that's helpful background thank you but where did the drama come in this time
1: yeah so so after the republicans achieved their uh, majority as i said that gave them the the power to vote in a new speaker and so again replacing a democrat with a Republican. And and so their main uh, candidate was uh, uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy from uh, California. And the rules of the vote require that the speaker is elected with a majority of the votes. And that is 50, more than 50 percent of the members of, of the House. And, and so the, the Democrats were very orderly lined up behind their candidate. But since they are now only a minority, they could not get over 50%. Uh, The Republicans, of course, uh, could get a majority, but a number of them decided to vote against uh, Mr. McCarthy or abstain. And and even though that was only a small group, initially those were uh, 20 out of 222 uh, Republicans in the House. uh, But given the narrow Republican majority, it was not enough. Um, and and so, or it was enough. Those those twenty those twenty votes were, were enough to prevent Mr. McCarthy uh, from getting elected as speaker. I
0: see. Very interesting. So, what happened from there?
1: Well, uh, what 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 happened next was that there were repeated votes uh, that were all inconclusive. That's why we had so 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 many. And so, Mr. McCarthy started to negotiate with the holdouts to. Uh, win them win them over and and this was a frustrating affair of course since these people were you know they, we have to say it they were in obstruction mode um, for a variety of political and maybe personal reasons so we're told anyway uh, we, we leave some articles on this uh, down down below but 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 clearly it's not like they had a, a viable alternative for for a different speaker that they could have voted in.
0: Right. And I guess that Mr. McCarthy was sort of stuck with them and probably didn't want to negotiate with the Democrats.
1: Well, yes, exactly, and and now it would have been a theoretical possibility to to win over some Democrats and and get the majority uh, that way. But but these days, no Republican wants to be seen by their constituents as negotiating with the uh, uh, Democrats. That's kind of the state of American politics, um, at, at least not on something like this. There are of course bipartisan uh, initiatives uh, in in the House, but on something like this, uh, the voting of uh, the voting in of the new speaker, uh, each party kind of uh, uh, stayed among themselves so to speak
0: right so in this case it was get those fellow republicans or nobody at all so which left it that this small minority of republicans held all the cards so to speak
1: <laughs> yes and they absolutely did
0: right Dirk. so back to the drama now what what happened from here
1: yeah, back back to the drama. So so over time, Mr. McCarthy and his allies were able to whittle down the uh, dissenters and get closer to their majority, but still they weren't able to get it over the line. And and one of the uh, chief holdouts was uh, Representative Matt Gates, and and uh, he's a Republican from Florida. And after one of the many votes, there was an exchange between. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, again, the main Republican uh, candidate, and Mr. Gates on the House floor and all to be watched on on C-SPAN. And at the end of the exchange, the camera shows Representative Mike Rogers, a Republican from Alabama, approach Mr. Gates and angrily confront him and then actually getting ready to physically come to blows with him. And then he is again physically restrained by Representative uh, Richard Hudson, uh, a Republican from North Carolina. And then watching all of this on C-SPAN is, is actually quite stunning.
0: Quite the drama indeed, Dirk. And I saw some memes that came out of the, uh, the C-SPAN recording there. But what, what happened next from that point?
1: Well, well. After that, uh, now everybody calms down a bit, and and then in the end, uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, does manage uh, uh, to get the votes, and now he actually is the speaker, the speaker of the house.
0: Okay, so our Republican friends in the states did get a happy ending, and just thinking that that wow, that is some serious serious drama that we don't often see in American politics. And just thinking about it, I can understand based on the situation you described or why tempers would flare but Mr Rogers in the story why why did he get so angry
1: yeah so and, and Christian, you're right so even though uh American politics can have a lot of drama but this this kind of of, of, of physical drama we right. we used to see this in in parliaments in, in 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 other countries so so we haven't really uh seen that uh in in uh, the house uh, of Representatives but but yeah why, why did he get so angry and and there is there has been some speculation around this so so I don't uh, well, there are some people who will know for sure. I, I just don't. But 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 the general point here is that, uh, uh, of course, Mr. Gates and his his uh, group, they were obstructing uh, the process, and they were putting disunity in the Republican Party on on public display. So so that kind of was uh, uh, upsetting. And and beyond that, there has been speculation that. Uh, Mr. Gates might have been asking uh, to become the chair of a committee in return for falling into line. And that might have just been the committee that Mr. Rogers was, uh, uh, was supposed to chair. So that might have been a part of it. But again, this is uh, uh, speculation, and, and I can't really tell you for sure. here.
0: Right, but speculation indeed. But I think we can get a sense of where the drama might lie here and why uh, tempers definitely got to the levels they did. So Derek, now before we get to what we can learn from this situation, how are Mr. Gates and Mr. Rogers getting along now? Have they patched things up as far as we can tell?
1: Yeah, so Mr. Rogers has apologized to Mr. Gates for losing his temper and uh, uh, Mr. Gates has responded that he and Mr. Rogers are having a a productive working relationship. Uh, Mr. Rogers has now been appointed uh, the chair of the House Armed Services Committee and Mr. Gates is a member of the committee.
0: Okay, so it sounds like in this case for the Republicans in the, the House there that things are working out now.
1: Well, um, at least let's, let's just say things have calmed down uh, for now and I just watched an interview with Mr. Gates about all of this and you know what he said was that the, the camera angle Really made things look worse than they were. Uh, he said heated arguments are normal, and then there's backslapping after the arguments, and after the argument is over, and and but people, the camera didn't pick that up, uh, and so he said that the American people got what he calls a curated rendition of what really happened.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So that that might be one way of putting it there, but. Derek, certainly interesting to hear about this dramatic episode in American politics, but getting it back to the Jamar Leadership Podcast now, what do you think we can learn from this as business people and managers?
1: Yeah, well, I I think this really is a bit of an object lesson in conflict management Mm -hmm. and in having difficult conversations. and, And this has a huge applicability, really, in everyday business life.
0: Derek, I like where you're going, but unpack that for us.
1: Yeah. So, 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 first of all, um, conflict management is a critical skill in management because there is just so much of it. There is just so much uh, conflict. Conflict is a is a growth industry, if you will, and and so we really need to be uh, good at this so that important business can move forward and can move forward uh, efficiently. And and so, uh, for me, the first and very important observation in our story here is that the conflict that we were talking about is not between a Republican and a Democrat. That's kind of what we would be expecting, but it is between two Republicans, so between two members of the same party.
0: Right, Dirk, that's interesting. In fact, one would think that these types of
1: interactions happen with people from different parties. That's what we would expect. Exactly, exactly right. So we often think in terms of conflict, in terms of um, opposing groups or companies, if you will, if I translate it into to the business world, so competitors, uh, uh, for example, when, when in fact, a conflict happens much more often among members or people who are in the same company, or it's external business partners who are members of different companies, but they're still working together. So, so it happens among people who are on the same team, or they're at least in the same partnership.
0: Right. Derek, do you have an example of how this might play out in the business world?
1: Sure, sure. This could be a a budget discussion, for example, between finance and sales or a strategy discussion between a local business unit and headquarters or Mm -hmm. a Resource reallocation uh, discussion between uh, different business units or product lines, and and so whenever that happens, there's a lot of potential for conflict uh, to go around in in, in any company. Um, and then, of course, there are customers and suppliers and strategic business partners, you know, that that we supposedly are teaming up with, and 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 so forth.
0: Right, Derek. And as you said, that's what makes good conflict resolution so important because we don't just have to solve the problem in front of us. We also have to think about the working relationship in the future. So like Mr. Gates and Mr. Rogers, uh, it's not just carrying on as members of the same party in the House of Representatives, but it's also now they have to work together as members
1: of the same committee even yeah, and Christian, that's it exactly. Because even though, again, they're now saying they have a productive working uh, relationship, one can't just <laughs> help but wonder how uh, productive it, it really is. There always is the possibility that after an interaction like this, one of the two, two feels that they were uh, poorly treated, uh, or maybe they will want to try and return the favor, so to speak, when the tables are turned, And and that's really something uh, we want to avoid, or at least something we have to factor in when when we are in conflict with someone on the same team with whom we have to work in the future and whom we may need to ask for a favor or to support us on some some issue. And so allowing mutual resentment to creep into our team really can affect our work climate and, and culture. Okay, Dirk,
0: I think we got it here. Our first point is that much, if not most, of conflict happens with people on the same team, people in the same company or business partners with whom we need to collaborate and we need to keep that relationship in mind. Building on that, what's a next point that we can take away from this situation?
1: Yeah, um, there is a saying, it's not personal, just just business, which which would suggest that business is not an emotional affair. But the same way Mr. Rogers got very upset with Mr. Gates to the point again that he literally and physically wanted to to go after him, we also can get very upset with people in our company or people on our team or with a business partner. This could be over a favorite project that we're really invested in and that's now on on the chopping block or fight over resources and the importance of our departments vis-a-vis other departments, and and you know, does what we do matter as much as what other people do, or does it still matter in the future? Or there could be other things that that very directly impact our uh, uh, careers, and and then it can and often does get personal, and we can find ourselves in a state like Mr. Rogers, especially if we 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 are in a negative interaction or even a provocation that comes at us unexpectedly.
0: Right. So perhaps unlike Mr. Rogers, it would be best to not show our emotions then?
1: Well, that's question. Uh, the, the question, Christian. Um, you, you may recall our last episode when we talked about the role of people in business uh, with the rise of robots and artificial intelligence. And so we talked about how we want to be people. And, and having and showing emotions is part of that. It makes us... Um, Authentic, uh, to use a popular term uh, these days, uh, Dirk. People
0: can't see us here on our Zoom call, but maybe they could hear it. You, you have authentic
1: in air quotes there. Mind unpacking that a bit? Yeah, because uh, you're right. So, so sometimes it's is a bit of a over, overused term, mainly. But, but, but seriously, uh, companies often say that they want people who are passionate about their work passionate about the central purpose of their company, uh, passionate about their customers and, and so forth. And, and so you can see how emotions are a big part of uh, business. And and in fact, companies are more and more looking for people who show commitment and show determination, sometimes to push uh, things through and over the line. People can be uh, assertive and even forceful to get those things done, especially if there are obstacles. And and so this, these are people... Uh, who really care about what they do and about the outcomes they achieve. Right, Dirk, I hear you, and I understand
0: where emotion comes in, but I'm, I'm guessing we would still be on the same page here that we don't want people to be swinging on each other, lunging at each other, and certainly not literally, but
1: maybe not even
0: figuratively.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly it. Right? We, we, we want to have and show emotion, uh, emotions, but we want to manage the display of our emotions properly.
0: Dirk, I like that, managing it properly, appropriate expressions of emotions. That makes sense to me. And I think that's our second point today. So how do we actually do that? What does that look like or mean?
1: Yeah, so so first of all, I would say it means that we need some uh, hard boundaries. Of course, we can and will be upset in situations and and with people from, from time to time. But we must not ever, I think, um, express that emotion as uncontrollable anger or by shouting at people or lunging at them. And and so to begin with, that doesn't help us. Um, that also makes us look out of control because we are. Uh, and also that can cause a lot of uh, escal- escalation. By the way, that also applies and can apply to positive uh, emotions. And we've seen this, if you were watching in the last World Cup of, of, of soccer, you've seen a tendency for teams to become more and more Exuberant when they score a goal or win a game, and and it really becomes unbearable for for the other team. And it, some of the things we saw really uh, commentators felt went beyond appropriate expression. It was out of control.
0: Right, Derek, and I think I could see that. We see that across sports. Great example. But what what else are we talking about here?
1: Yeah. So. Then the, the second thing that, that, that can happen quite often is that um, we will mirror the emotions of our counterparty. Say I'm in a difficult conversation or negotiation and then my counterpart raises their voice and is getting more intense, then the, the spontaneous human reaction is often to do the same thing. Uh, you know, Things like, hey, who are you to talk to me like this? And, and, and so this then can uh, really lead to an, to an escalation.
0: Right, Dirk. I think it's a natural human impulse to want to fight fire with fire, at least match it. But just hearing you say that, should we not stand up for ourselves in a situation like that?
1: Yeah, but uh, of course we should. But it, it really depends on um, uh, how how you want to do that. So instead of getting all worked up yourself, you can can say something like, "Oh, I can see you feel very strongly about this," or something similar. So what you do here is you acknowledge the emotion of your counterpart rather than mirroring it, and and so you can combine this with with a question, something like, "Again, wow, I can see you're really upset about this. So so please tell me what's what's really so infuriating for you." For you here. And, and this can be quite uh, effective in taking the temperature down, but keeping it real at the same time. Uh, but again, you have to be sure to really be asking the question because you want to really understand rather than using the question as a form of disagreement. So, So the tone really Really matters, and it, this doesn't mean at all that you're giving uh, into a demand or allowed yourself to be uh, bullied. It's 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 just an effective response to to if you if you see that kind of escalation.
0: Right, Dirk, that makes sense. Acknowledge the emotion of your counterpart and possibly combine it with a question that seems reasonable to me. And frankly, asking that honest question would. And having that tone would probably also be a way of acknowledging that emotion without being condescending in that act. So, love it, Dirk. Do you maybe have a third idea on how to deal with emotions in the workplace? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Actually, I do. Oh, love it, Dirk. Lay it on us.
1: Yeah. So the the, the third one would be to use contrast uh, when expressing emotions. What do you mean by that? Well, when it comes to managing our emotions in business, we we Again, we want to be guided by what makes us effective, by what helps us achieve what we want to achieve. And on balance, uh, in my experience, it's most effective to be and stay calm or relatively calm, even if the situation is starting to uh, heat up. And so we would make a um, stronger display of emotions, ranging from annoyance to, 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 to outrage. We would make that more the exception than the rule.
0: Okay. More the exception than the rule, noting that. But Dirk, can you maybe unpack that? That sounds important.
1: Yeah. So it all has to do with the reputation you want to cultivate. It is uh, not helpful to to have a reputation for being irritable and resentful. And um, the the reason is that if you're normally Uh, reasonable, calm, and even keeled, and in fact have a reputation for being calm and even keeled, then then people will take notice when you get upset and express your emotions in a stronger way. So so they realize you're not calm because you're timid or (laughs) faint-hearted, but because you're open to ideas and collaborative. But when the situation calls for it, you can show your assertiveness, you can show your strengths of conviction, and you can even show your forcefulness. You, so you let the situation and your judgment control your reaction, not the the, the emotions or the reactions of your, of your counterpart.
0: I see, Dirk. Those are three excellent points on expressing emotions appropriately, which was our second point of our discussion right now. And uh, just to remind people, we're talking about effective co- conflict management for people who are on the same team or work together as business partners. So, Dirk, with that reminder, is there a third point on the bigger topic of conflict management we could go over now?
1: Yeah, um, and I think that is, And that has to do with what we might call situational awareness or situational intelligence.
0: Okay. Situational, situational intelligence. That sounds interesting. And I think we're getting at understanding the context and factors that are shaping a situation. What can we learn from Gates and Roger's drama here to help us with
1: that? Yeah. The, the situation really matters in conflict management. The defining context or factor in the Gates and Roger drama was that this conflict played itself out in a very public forum. And well, in fact, the ultimate public forum, forum, really, the United States House of Representatives in front of the uh, C-SPAN camera. And so, so we have to realize that our audience and conversation partner is not just the person we're in conflict with, but is everyone who's, who's who's watching, we are, if you will, performing uh, for them. And we are as concerned with the impression we leave with them as we are with solving the conflict with our counterpart. And and so if you look at it um, rationally for a moment, we all know that physically going after Mr. Gates would not only serve no purpose uh, for Mr. Roger, it would also look bad on camera. And and given Mr. Gates's intransigence uh, at that moment, the the goal should have been to to sway the opinion of the American people watching this rather than trying to uh, convince Mr. Gates to
0: change course. I see, Dirk. But most of us listening right now have the blessing of not having our meetings or conflicts uh, uh, playing out in front of a rolling camera. So how does that really help us here?
1: Yeah, you you're right. Uh most of us uh are in meeting rooms so on Zoom calls and but Zoom calls, you know, can be recorded? Right, um right. and and uh, so there's also, you know, the the, the town hall with the, with the open uh, open chat room and and so we can be in a semi-public or quite public setting more often uh than we uh than we think. And so so the point is this the the dynamics of a one-on-one meeting or small meeting is uh, quite different than the dynamics of a larger and let's just say more public, more public meeting.
0: Right. So when we're thinking about situational intelligence in those things you just highlighted, the situation is very different.
1: Yeah. And, and that brings in an, an, another consideration because say I'm in a controversy uh, in a larger meeting and someone uh, attacks one of my team members, uh, then my team will be, watching me as a leader, how, how I deal with that, right? Will I throw them now under the proverbial bus, or will I stand up for them? And so I have to factor all of this in when shaping my response. And this may, has, may have to happen on the spot. So this is why I need that situational uh, awareness.
0: Great example, Dirk. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have another example for us?
1: Yeah, I, I may be in a situation, uh, for example, where as the head of one department, I may be in, in an argument with the head of another department in a let's say in a in a management uh, meetings, and so those could be again say sales and operations or or something like this, and we may be debating again in a hypothetical example whether uh, operations uh, is having the right products in 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 stock, the 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 kind of products the sales team wants to sell, or uh, whether the sales team is selling the right uh, products, the, the, the ones the operations team has in stock. And, and so how my old boss used to say, salespeople uh, can always sell what we don't have. And, and of course, the salespeople would say the operation never produces what the customer is, is, is asking for.
0: That sounds like a, an interesting conversation to be a part of, Dirk.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, it's actually a, a you know a very important conversation about uh, uh, having a market pull strategy or product push strategy, and and so it really requires good debate, good debate to to find the best solution here.
0: Dirk, sure. that sounds so interesting. That might be something we'll have to talk about in a future episode. But thinking about our conversation now, that sounds like the the kind of context where things could get pretty heated.
1: Yeah, and and the reason why it gets so heated is the salespeople really want to advocate for the customer. They they're, they're passionate about that customer, and 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 so they should be. And then the operations people really need some good forecasting because otherwise they cannot do their jobs. And and I have seen those kind of conversations get quite heated.
0: Right, Dirk. So perhaps thinking about your own experience in this, where would situational awareness come into this?
1: Yeah, so so what what this this kind of thing can either happen in a productive discussion in a small task force, or again, it can, can happen in in a management team meeting where you know other members of uh management are there. And so you may be arguing not just with, with people who are involved in this particular conflict, but you're arguing with a uh, with a colleague who leads a, a different department. And then at the same time, your boss, the business unit manager, or even the CEO is, is watching this and and uh, he or she is forming an opinion on the quality of the argument and how people are behaving. Um, are they communicating clearly? Do they have the best interest of the company at art? Are they solution oriented, and and so forth, and and so lunging over the table or or pouting or whatever emotional reaction uh, um, you you might have really would not look good. You you want to come across as confident, clear, guided by the company's best interests, and, and again you want to show that, and and so uh, it's interesting going back to the conflict, <laughs> our conflict here on the on the house floor. That, that Mr. Gates now seems to be very much downplaying the whole incident. He, he wants to be sure that the American people don't take away the wrong uh, impression and that he uh, is a collaborator within the Republican uh, Party after all. And, and so that same thing happens if we have uh, an argument with a colleague in front of other people uh, who, are, who are watching us.
0: Hey, Dirk, that makes a lot of sense. And situational awareness is a really good word to describe what we have going on here. So, Dirk, we're coming to the end of our time. Any other last words of advice for us?
1: Yeah, um, Christian. business is business, and business is, is personal. And, and that means conflict, emotions, and sometimes frustration is part of it. And, and so that's why it is important that we're guided by what we think is effective, not necessarily what we feel like in the moment. And, and the best way I've heard this expressed is don't get mad, don't get even, get what you want.
0: Don't get mad, don't get even, get what you want, Dirk. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, and, and but Christian, just as, a, as a, a, a warning, it makes complete sense, but it is easier said than done, and it will take some practice.
0: Yes, like many of the professional and personal development we have discussed on the show, things require practice. And yeah, Christian, Exactly. Okay, Dirk, interesting discussions as always, and a good time for me, I believe, to summarize. We talked about conflict management and difficult conversations, and we discussed three main points. So people listening, let me summarize my notes here. Firstly, conflict is a normal part of business, and we must expect it, and I think be good at solving it. More often, conflict happens with people on the same team or business partners working together. So we must keep the future of the relationship in our mind. The second point I have here is that we must remember and must know that business is personal. We must learn how to manage our emotions. That doesn't mean we suppress our emotions, but it means we must be guided by what is effective, by what really helps us, not by our feelings in the heat of the moment. This includes expressing emotions appropriately, acknowledging that emotion of your counterparts and asking questions in response and perhaps using contrast. That is a reputation that would help us gain uh, a sense of being calm and collected and reserve a stronger display of emotion for when it really counts. And finally, as a third point, I think we must be aware of our situations. Who is watching our exchange and what message do we convey to them by our behavior and a handling of a situation? Dirk, I'm sure there are many other things that we can do and talk about, but those are the three takeaways that I got here. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, Christian, you're, you're right. And in, in some way, you're also right that we have to scratch the fir- surface. So there are things like intercultural aspects, you know, dealing with certain personalities and power dynamics. But but I think those three things you have summarized for us are a really good starting point. And so thanks for your summary, as, as always. Thank, it's really helpful.
0: Dirk, thank you for for saying that. I'm glad it's helpful. And like all things, I think those three main points, something we have to highlight on this podcast is that they need uh, practice. So we need to implement these things, practice them so that we can get that reputation so that we can build those relationships and ultimately that we could be effective in whatever our goals are. But as we said, we are coming to the end and now we're at the time when that's all the time that we have. Dirk, thank you so much for sharing everything you shared. Everyone listening, Thank you for tuning in, listening and uh, sharing this podcast and letting us know what you think. I think we already teased that we'll probably have more to discuss on this topic of conflict management. But again, that's all our time for this week. So we look forward to seeing you again next week on the Gemara Leadership Podcast with another conversation that will help you wherever you are in the business world.